0: Hey out there in Mommyland, this is Mom Unfiltered. I am your host, Jacqueline. Today, we'll be chatting with Elizabeth. This dynamic speaker is a mother of one gifted five-year-old worshiper. Her life challenges has called her to create a platform where women who've been abused can renew and restore. Speak Out was burped. From her through the meditation of Psalms 107 and 2, which reads, Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. We'll hear Elizabeth's wisdom and courage as she opens up about being a mom, her life struggles, and raising up an army of women who will speak. Please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a review on iTunes. Now it's time for our program. There you go.
1: (laughs) Hi, Elizabeth.
0: Hello, hello, hello. How are you this morning? Uh, amazing, how are you? I am doing well, girl. I'm so glad we got connected. Yay
1: Yes yes
0: <laughs> these little uh anchors ain't no joke.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. So let's get into it, boo. Let's go. All right, so when did you first become a
1: mom? Well. I first became a mom in 2014, January 12, 2014, so just recently, five years ago.
0: All right, so you're a brand new mommy, kind of like,
1: brand spanking
0: new, but (laughs) what I found is you are amazingly wise to only have been a mother for five years. And, um, why do you think, um, people, um,
1: see that in you? Well, I think it comes, um, just life experience in general. Um, you know, I was the oldest girl, um, of us was had an older brother. Um, but mom was just in and out of the home, so kind of like raising my siblings. And it was, it was being, my mom was the example of what I didn't want. And so when it came to being a mom, although it's a, a short time, is that a lot of it just came from, you know, seeing mom, um, you know, kind of a generational thing, my grandma, my grandmothers. Uh, and then also, I did have good examples in uh, my pastor parents, because I, I was a foster kid. And so my youth pastors took me in. So then seeing how they brought up their girls also was a different view of kind of, of this, um, how I wanted to parent. And then obviously researching, there's no handbook of how to do this mom thing, this parent thing. So um studying and researching those are right or wrong ways.
0: Yeah, girl, I know. I'm like they give you know, the the hospital that I used to work for is so funny because they did try to give you a handbook about parenting, but really every child is unique, right? Yes. yes. So yeah. <laughs> I say that to say your daughter, <clears throat> excuse me, is very, very unique.
1: Yes, yeah, she is.
0: Tell me about her.
1: Um, man, well, you know, before I talk about her, I do want to say I do have to give accolades to um, Nurse and Family Partnership. Uh, it's a program um, through, well, through the county. I believe that for a first-time moms. Um, that they do partner with you from the time that you find out you're pregnant until your child is two years old. And so they have a nurse that comes in and, and helps guide you. And whatever questions you have, like how to discipline, how to nurse, uh, they don't go with you to the actual birthing, like through labor and all that jazz, but they literally walk you through a lot of stuff. So I do have to say, um, Nurse and Family Partnership was a huge, huge um, partner with me in, in being a parent. Um, so I just wanted to say that to you. So getting into Kamea, Kamea, oh my gosh, she is amazing. Um, and you said she's unique. I, she's, so she's biracial. Um, I'm black. Her, her dad is white. And so I've always told her that she's a zebra and that just as zebras, um, they're like our fingerprints. Uh, the stripes on a zebra are just like our fingerprints, that each fingerprint, each zebra stripe is unique. They're not striped the same way. And so I've always explained her uh explained that to her, that she's she's unique and, and God has designed her uh, very uniquely. And so she's really taken she's a worshiper. Oh my god, she's a worshiper. Um, I didn't tell you this morning I have of her. We missed um, service one Sunday and it's it's during offering, so they you know, some churches they don't let you in the doors, you know, during the offering time. And she's in tears because she said, "Mom, I just want to worship. I just want to dance." And so she's she's a worshiper at her. She's a prayer warrior. Uh, she's she's constantly praying every time she sees um, fire trucks, um, an ambulance, even if it's just the police lights. She said, "Mom, we got we have to pray. We have to stop right now. We have to pray." And so she's she's just a spirit uh, woman already. At, at five years old, she's just she's so amazing. How do you think she's gotten that way? Um, you know, I, I can say it was me and, and a part of it was me, but honestly it, w- it was God. Uh, when I was pregnant with her and um, I would do my devotions, obviously. And I was, you know, would play worship music and in my room, I would just uh, feel her move and feel her, her dance. And and God spoke to me and said, she, she's a worshiper. She's going to be a worshiper. And so I have just built that. Like we, I don't. I don't sing. So let me let me just say that um, I'm not a singer <laughs> at all. I sing to God, and He He hears my voices heavenly. Um, him and my daughter are probably the only two people who think so. Um, but I I intentionally sing things to her that it creates in her the atmosphere of what she's created to be. If that makes sense. So I'm creating the environment of worship, and so. But it all comes from the stem of God calling her into that place. And then nurturing what God has called her to be.
0: Wow, girl. You are doing that. Yeah. You are doing that. I've I've seen her little videos with her praying, and I'm like, oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, and it's it's not it's not like I was like, okay, Camille, let's pray now. Like it's totally her, like, her. like all random, huh? And all prayer so prayers are so cute. And she always say, like, and oh God, I know that you can do it. And I'm like, oh, my God, who is this child? She's like, that. She's like, God, I just pray for the sick. And she always prays for animals. She loves animals. She's like, God, I pray for the animals, the animals that are hurting, and the people that need healing. And I know you can do it. She always ends her prayer. I know you can do it, God. Amen.
0: Oh, wow. That is beautiful. So were you raised in um, Christianity? Or how, um, how were you raised? And how is that? Um, affecting the way you raise your daughter.
1: So, you you know when it comes when it comes to that, it's kind of like a it's kind of sketchy, if you will, for my situation. Um, my mom, I think so. There's six of us, like I said, and I, I want to say before we were born, she wanted to be an evangelist, and I don't know if it was. I think she was pregnant with my brother before marriage or something like that that the church wouldn't let her continue in that calling because of that um, it's really it's really fishy and so mom i feel like was really hurt by the church and so she she kind of like um would preach to us but not really so she would use scripture but she would she would twist it for her own benefit for example um so this is like later on in life she's um, a drug addict and, and an alcoholic. And uh, she would use the scripture. Um, do you, she, she would say like, do you, in the Bible it says that you need to obey your mom, um, obey your mother and fire. And if you don't, that your your days will be long on earth. And so you need to go take this money over to that apartment. And you need to go buy me a dime sack. You better come straight back. And it was like, it, mm. and, and you know, like back in those days, like you had this fear of God. And not that I thought God was Zeus, but I just thought that God just had these lightning bolts that if I didn't obey what my mom said, that he would just shoot these lightning bolts at me. And so I was so obedient and so submissive uh, that I was like afraid of the word. Like I didn't really get into the Bible until my twenties because I was afraid of the word because mom made this fear of the Bible. And so um, so my kind of my background was confusing because I didn't know how to really um, see scripture the way God sees it because of how mom twisted it um, to make us do things, basically. And so she wow. I would I would say like her and I didn't have the best relationship, but she definitely gave me my relationship with with Christ. And so I do praise her for that. And so at an early age, um, at, at 13 is when I was saved. And so me getting that personal uh, relationship with God at at that age just really uh, took me deeper into wanting to know who is this God, what is he about, and, you know, what's going on. And so I do have this long kind of history with my own relationship with God that helped me build on this spiritual um, foundation that I have for my daughter and, and what like i'm so into like i said I, i've prayed about who she's supposed to be what god wanted me to do how he wants me to guide her how he wants me to discipline her you know and how i instruct her heart to be what he wants it to be and not from my upbringing because it's easy for me to to have a spoiled brat because my mom was so horrible i didn't know my dad um but if i separate myself from her and and she's her own being and she's this being that God created before I knew she was coming. Uh, that if I keep that mindset, then I'm able to build her on a spiritual foundation that God has for her.
0: Wow. That's awesome. So tell me about that. Um, having her and when you got pregnant, um, how you didn't think that you were having a little girl.
1: Yeah, so um, going back to my mom and, and our relationship, and I wasn't, a bad, I wasn't a bad kid, like, at all. Like, this is so funny, but I used to get grounded to go outside. Like, I was just not a bad kid. I, like, I would clean the house. Um, I was respectful. I was a good student. Like, there was nothing bad. Um, however, I was very um, promiscuous. I was molested when I was three. By the time I was, like, seven, I just got sex, was just a part of life. And so at 11, I was sexually active. And so because of that, mom would say, you know, what, your behavior, your daughter's going to do worse than you. And, you know, whatever you're doing to me, your daughter's going to do worse. So I had this fear, again, of of having a girl because I thought, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be a horrible, I mean, yeah, a horrible parent. Um, Like, again, I didn't know my dad. Our relationship with her wasn't great. So I just had this picture, like, I don't want to bring this child, a child into the world. Um, with this, this mindset um, because I don't want to be this horrible person. I don't have a good example. And so I didn't want to have children at all. Um, again, I was very promiscuous and um, let me be real, I didn't use protection most of the time. And so I just had this mindset that I couldn't have kids. And so um, I, so with the two of them, I just, you know, put it off. Like, I, I don't want kids. I don't want to have them. I can't have them. Um, I don't. I don't care. I mean, I I did do children's ministry, so I did like kids. But I was okay with not having them. Like I can have wow. a short period of time, and then you can go home to your mama. Like I'm I'm not about the parent life. Like that was that was just my thing. Um, and so um, I got married in 2012, and um, 2013. After our um, anniversary, we decided we wanted to try and have a girl, uh, or try and have a baby. Um, you know, like our friends were were doing it type thing. Um, and mm-hmm. I did want kids, and so I said he wanted four, and I said let's at least try for one. And and because I didn't want to become old and him resent me uh, was my thing of of not having a kid. So I was like, let me, I love him with this love, you know. Let's let's try let's try this thing. And so um, let me tell you, trying was fun. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, we wasn't, su- we weren't successful at all. Um, and April Fools, 2013, he posted, um, he had posted a joke that we were pregnant and everyone, like he posted on Facebook. So people are texting me like super hurt Like, why did you not text me that you were pregnant? And I knew it was a joke. So I didn't respond to the next day. Um, and I was like, boo, boo, when I'm pregnant, I will for sure let you know, like, don't get all butt hurt because, you know, he posted it on Facebook. I didn't say anything. So that should have been, you know, your, your picture that, you know, was a joke. Uh, but come to find out that next month, um, so May 10th, that year was mother's day. Um, one of the women from the church said, I know you've been trying, um, to get pregnant and I'm really praying for you, um, that God will just open up your womb and that you will have a child. And seven days later, May 17th, 2013, I found out I was pregnant. Um, oh, hallelujah. I was scared, but I was excited. Um, and, and again, like my husband and I were so in love then. Um, and so we we're like, man, we produced this child out of love. And so, um, yes, yeah, so I'm getting ready for our, uh, what is it called? The anatomy ultrasound you obviously also found out find out the gender and this whole time I'm like I'm having a boy. I'm praying for a boy. I wrote a poem about having a king in my room. Like I'm having I'm having a boy. Like it's I have a name, Macarius, uh, Jabez was going to be his name. I was going to nickname him MJ like it was in the work. like this this I'm having a boy. Like it was I'm claiming it. And it was it had to be like a week before that anatomy ultrasound and I was like I'm having a girl. And um and I, does
0: that cook that fast? That fast? You just change your mind? Well, I, no, I didn't change my mind.
1: It was like, I don't know if the Holy Spirit of God was like, um, boo-boo, I know you have this dream of a boy, but you're not having one. Like, you're, you're going to have a girl. And it was like, my whole body was like, oh my God, I'm having a girl. Like, I literally would talk to it like it was Makai. Like, I would say its name. Like, yes, MJ. And I literally was, was you know, in the Bible it says, you know, speaking of a girl. I was thinking about blessing. Here, I'm going to have a son. Um And... Yeah, like I like said, that that week before was like God was like, "Oh no, Boo Boo, you are not having a boy. It's gonna be a girl," uh, and her name was gonna be Atlantis Omega. And I was like, "Atlantis is not her name. Um, I need to find a name." And the name was Hope. During the, I was during that season, um, I I was just about Hope then, and I was like, "I wanted the name meaning Hope," and I came across the Hawaiian name Kamea, and I loved it, um, but it didn't mean Hope. And so I kept I kept looking, um, but Kamea just kept ringing in my head. And so I wanted to name her Kamea Hope. Kamea means the one and only. And so the one and only Hope. And I was like, oh, man, that's beautiful. Um, But my husband wanted Atlantis. And so we went with Atlantis, Kamea Atlantis. And it's the one and only beautiful treasure. And so she's... Okay. So, yeah, so our little Kamea Atlantis. Um, And and you know what? I'm so glad that uh, she's in my life and that God gave me the opportunity to be her mom. And I'm so glad it was a girl, honestly um because she's she's my best friend and i know she's 5 um but like spiritually she's she's so amazing and she's so beyond her years like if you talk to her um it's great i have to remind myself she's only 5 um but she's she's amazing
0: wow <laughs> that is an awesome story i'm like ooh so how has Kamea really changed
1: who you are being? On oh this my earth? god! Um, so, so okay. So I talked about you know our you know the process to having her. So after she, so she's now here. Again, I said my ex husband's white, um, and in my jeans. Um, my grandma on my dad's side was thrown away at eleven months old. So we don't know her nationality but she's um really light-complected red hair red freckles um and so my daughter came out like extra white like 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 white like pale and i was like this is not my kid and so so rewind a little bit i had a c-section and they say when you have a c-section that there is like a chemical that comes when you have a vaginal birth that you don't have during a c-section it does create a disconnect Mm -hmm. between you and your child and so I was already disconnected from that. Um, then she came out super white. So I'm like, "This is not my child." Um, and so I really just had this uh, like that first 24 hours. I didn't want to hold her. You know, they tell you to do skin to skin. I didn't want her to. I not want her to touch. Like I didn't want to touch her. I didn't want to be like. Uh, and then I was like high on this medicine. I was like, "This no." I was like high in this world, like you know, doing my thing in my head. And I was like, "This is not my child. I can't do this. Like I'm not a mother. Like no." Um, and then a couple of days, so she's not watching, you know, after, you know, during the whole process, after that 24 hours, I finally heard her, but now she's not watching. Um, my milk supply is not coming in. Um, my mom actually passed away, um, three days after I had her. So I'm in my lactation consultant and my sister texts me, my mom passed away. So here goes another disconnect. Um, my ex mother-in-law was there, but she was kind of like, you know, about herself. And so I, I didn't know how to, um, you know, people are saying congratulations and condolences at the same. So there was this whole disconnect for that first month. So it wasn't until about February, you know, into March where, um, you know, my husband went back to work. My mother-in-law has gone. And it was just me and Kamea. And I said, okay, I got, I got to do this thing. Like, it, it's, it's me and her. I, I got to do this. And I remember praying and saying, God, I, I have no idea what i'm doing and, and and i don't know how how to parent. like i don't know this thing uh, but i know that this is your child and i know that i have to be the woman you created me to be in order for her to be the woman that you created her to be so god i rededicate my life back to you and back to your plan that you have for my life so that i can be what she needs to be and so it, it was it was that prayer that just, that I, I can't explain, like, her being, her birth and her her being here is why I do I, what I do and how I do what I do, um, because I don't want her to go through a life of promiscuity. Like, it's a generational curse of, of you know, sex and um, as an idol and sex addiction and in um, an addictions period, you know, my siblings are fifth generation alcoholics and drug addicts, and so on and so forth. And I don't want that for Camilla. And in order for that to happen, I have to accept the generational blessings that God has for my family. And so her birth um, just helped me be, again, exactly who God has created me to be.
0: Wow. That is awesome. I just wanted to pause and say um, to women that are going through postpartum depression and going through that disconnect um, to rewind that a little bit back, write that prayer down that Elizabeth said, and take that on as your own prayer, because um, that prayer had a whole lot of healing in it. And that was amazing. Um, So taking you fast forward, you finally connected with your daughter you finally got this mom thing down, and now um, your marriage is is disbanding. Oh what's what's happening there with you and your child?
1: So, um, so I was to stay at home. Um, everything since I got married, um, I thought it was cute. I, I worked since I was fourteen. Like I said, I, I got taken. We got taken away at fifteen, and so I kind of had to do my own thing financially. Um, mm-hmm. And then back then, when you were eighteen, the, the the government kind of, like, kicked you to the curb. Um, they, have, they have programs now from 18 to 25, but when I was a foster kid, they didn't They didn't have that. It kind of kicked you to the curb at 18. And so I, I have not work and bust my butt um, for myself. So here comes my husband who's like, I don't want you to work. Let me take care of you. Let me do this. Um, not that I know until, like, our divorce that he did that because he was jealous that I made more money than him. Uh, And so I I stayed at home our entire marriage. We were married for almost five years. Uh, Like I said, that second year, in is when we got um, pregnant with Kamea. And so she was two. uh, We lived in Grand Junction, which is four hours from the city of Denver. We live in Colorado. Um, And he decided uh, we came to Denver. I was a youth pastor serving at Junction Community Church. Um, Serving as a youth pastor. And we were coming to Denver for a women's conference and he just so happened to have that weekend off. And uh, he apparently had some interviews here that he didn't let me know about. And so that we go uh, back home and he starts packing his stuff and he says he's moving to Denver. He got a job um, and he's going to be headed out uh, that, I think that Friday or something that uh, he had got a Greyhound ticket and he was headed back to Denver. And um, I was shocked because I felt like we were at a good place. Um, this was my third year now as chief pastor. Um, he had what I thought was a good job at a bank. Um, you know, our daughter's getting big, she's walking. Um, you know, all these things, like we're just, you know, in the flow of life um, and he leaves and he moves to Denver. And so I become a single mom overnight. I'm very emotional. Uh, I didn't know what to do. Um, at all, like I, 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 didn't know what plan, like, or what we're going to stay together. Or we're not going to stay together. We all going to move to Denver. Like, there was just so many questions. Um, and and honestly, like, my faith was shaken, but it didn't, it didn't stop. So I was just, um, in my prayer closet like crazy because I, I, just didn't know, uh, what to do. And so, um, so we started off there. He would he would come back in a town here and there, take my daughter for hours. Um, and I didn't know where they were. He wouldn't tell me what's going on. Um, you know, when people were planting things in my head, like, oh, he's going to take her to Denver. Uh, what, what happens if he just takes her? And so he um, planned on coming in August for his birthday and take her for a week. And so I decided to, um, you know, get a restraining order. You know, things are escalating. Um, I, I filed for a divorce. Um, or start the process to file for divorce because he's not communicating. I don't know what's going on. Um, and here I am with this, this two-year-old and uh, we start the process, but we decide to reconcile, and I moved to Denver 2016. Um, yeah, February of 2016, I moved to Denver. We tried to work it out, but that September, um, he filed for divorce. Um, and I remember the day he told me I was laying and, and and rubbing his stomach, and we're having this good marriage emotional moment, and he starts crying. Uh, I told him I was going to take him up the mountain to work and uh, he starts crying and he says, um, I love everything you're doing and you're great, but I just don't want to be with you. And, I thought, and he's wow. like, I filed for a divorce yesterday and um, uh, they should be serving you. The sheriff should be coming and serving you sometime um, early next week. And um, man, I was devastated on the inside. I was devastated, but I didn't show it on the outside. I still fulfilled what I, I was going to do. I took him to work. I still made him breakfast, lunch, dinner. Uh, We were still living together. He wanted to live together. Um, So our lease was up. And so um, we were going to go through the divorce process. Um, But that following month, uh, we got into a disagreement. Kamea got sick and he tried to hit me um, because we got into a disagreement. And I was like, no, this is not a safe environment for her. Um, and I took her and some of our stuff. I had my little sister, who's a Marie, um, come and uh, we packed our stuff. We moved over to her house and uh, we've been separated since then. Our divorce was final February 8th, 2017. And so we're coming up on two years um, on that eighth, February 8th of being divorced. Um, and I first wanted to, to, to shelter her from... Um, this traumatic experience and so I I didn't want her to see him at all Um, so I I didn't I he tried well at first he was like making demands you need to bring my daughter back and I took like I didn't have anything in my name so I had like three hundred dollars in cash you need to bring that cash back you need to come take me to work um he didn't have a license we had one car he's like you need to come back you need to come take me to work you know you took my daughter and I was like no this this is not how it's happening um, you're not gonna see her, you know, type thing. I was all in my feelings, being selfish and emotional. Um, again, I think she's free now, and I'm like, no, this is not like she's too young for this Like, no, like, this is not happening. Um, and things just kept escalating. Um, you know, we obviously going through the divorce and stuff. Um, uh, he tried to file for full custody of her, um, a different stuff. So, like, it was just a fight. Um, it, it still is a fight, honestly now um almost two years later it still is a fight with her uh, but i have to constantly just remind her again of who god said she is because now he's mm-hmm. in god and he's like planting all these things in her so i have to be the constant reminder of uh, we do self-affirmations every morning uh we we do prayer times we do our worship time um and even going to his house i have to pray for the environment that she's going into you know god um mm-hmm that he, he made um, my ex-husband her dad for a reason. And I can't sever that relationship because I don't like him, you know, or, or you know, we didn't work out. It's, it's not her fault um, that that didn't happen. And so really just trusting God uh, in the whole process when it comes to, um, and I, you know, and they call it co-parenting, um, but I kind of do a parallel parenting, which is just a little bit different um, because he's, he's just of a personality that you can't co-parent. Um, there is no, co- you know, kind of coexisting. So you kind of have to like parent alongside each, with each other, um, if you will. And so that's kind of, you know, where we're at in, in parenting now.
0: That's amazing, Elizabeth. How is Kamea taking all of this in? Um, because it is a storm around her and she's in the middle of it so how do you see her taking all of it in um between her mom and dad you know it's hard
1: uh it's 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 really hard for her and again you have to observe your child because if you don't separate your your being from hers you're going to transfer your feelings onto them whether it's good or ah, or bad and so um And in this situation with Kamea is that if I if I wasn't so observant with her, I wouldn't notice that when she pees in the bed is a um, is a sign that she's going through something, um, and and I would punish her instead of console her. You know, if, if I wasn't observant of that behavior, and so Kameya um, is going through her own traumatic experience. But there's two there's two themes though. One is that I can't, I can't show, I can't uh, shield her from that. I can't keep her from experiencing this traumatic thing. Um, and and when you go through a divorce and you have a child, you have to go through um, a co-parenting class. And mm-hmm. they they kept saying you can't stop your child from feeling what they're feeling, but you can help right. them through what they're feeling. Which comes to that second thing is that. So when Kamee pees in a bed, I know that it's a sign she's going through something and I need to console her. And so it's being there saying, baby, I'm not disappointed that you that you pee in the bed. It's like acknowledging that, that that's what's happening and saying, I'm here for you. Do you need do you need a hug? Do you need you need a stuffed animal? Do you need your blanket? Um, do you need quiet time? She she likes her alone time. So do you need quiet time? Do you need a breathe? Do you need a count? And so it's those, it's giving her tools to help her through the experience because, again, she's in two different households, two different rules, um, you know, two different things that happen. And, and and with that is that our kids are resilient because, yes, she's at a different household, but, you know, she goes to church and she has rules at church. She goes to school, she has rules at school. So every Sunday, that's what we talk about. I say, come on, do you have rules at church? Yes, mom. Do you have rules at school? Yes, mom. Do you have rules with dad? Yes, mom. Do you have rules with grandma? Yes. What are the rules at mom house? And she'll say, these are your... Okay, so do we throw tantrums? No. Do we use our words? Yes. Do we give privileges taken away? Yes. And so we, we talk through that process every week. And, and for kids, reputation is key. And so it's recognizing... Uh, no, so it's separating yourself from your child, recognizing that they have their own emotions, and giving them tools... To go through it, and I let her know the same tools I'm giving you. You can use at school, you can use at dad's house, and you can use at grandma's house. Dad is not the enemy, although you you know that there's some things that he's doing in the household that may be wrong. But uh, you have to send the spirit before him, before her, um, and and allow you know it's really trusting God. Honestly, you have to trust God, and you have and so separating yourself is so important um so that, that you're able to give your do- your child uh, whether it's a son or daughter you know tools that they need to to survive and and not just now at 5 when they're going through this but when they're 15 or when they're 25 and 35
0: wow yeah cuz when you were telling me that the other day I was just floored and you poured so much into to my life into into my experience um with my daughter like I'm like uh, where was elizabeth when (laughs) x y and z happened because i needed to hear that um now my daughter is 17 and you are capturing all this stuff before she gets to the age where she's just gonna completely just go off so that's that's amazing. So mothers um, that are going through this, because I know there are mothers that are listen to that. She, the, uh, Elizabeth gave us bullet points. Write them down. <laughs> you know, um, write them down. And those are the things that you do for your children, um, especially when they're in separate households, uh, and you're a parallel par- if you're parallel parenting or co-parenting. These are the tools. Um, these are the tools. And so, can you expound a little bit on? She wasn't your plan, she was mine when uh, what God spoke, yes.
1: So, again, um, she just turned five years old, and when she, you know, her birthday is my birthday, too. You know, it's my birthday as a parent, you know, Um, and so I always reflect on um, how I've grown in that five years. And you had just did, I think it was your first um, podcast, uh, asking Mm -hmm. about you know, you know, people joining on. And so with the two of them, I was like, man, what would I say uh, on this podcast? And I wonder, you know, I wonder what, what would be it. And and I remember just going through, um, again, my childhood of like this, this promiscuity life and, you know, mom not being there or, you know, dad not being there, mom not liking me and how I just didn't want, I didn't want kids. I didn't want them at all. And I remember like this, this, this guilt came upon me of, um, of not wanting Kamea. But, but I, it's not that I didn't want her. It just wasn't my plan to have kids, but it, it was God's plan to have her. You know, we, we look at scripture where it says, you knitted me in my mother's womb, you know, before, uh, you know, and Jeremiah says, um, I know the thoughts and our plans I, I have for you, like, before you were a thought, like, I always just I think this is so amazing that before we were even a seed, you know, in in our <laughs> our brother's womb, like God thought of us. So the plan, God's plan of Camilla, was long before my plan of not having children. And so the idea that Camilla's not my plan, but she's God's plan. Oh my God! It, again, it takes it takes it out of me. And I really am, I'm building the spiritual person because this is God's child. This is God's woman. And and just building that, like, this is God's plan. And uh, and so Kamea's birthday was the 12th on Saturday, and we do a 50-50 parenting. So on Saturday is her dad's day, so she was with her dad. But from the 12th to the 16th, when we celebrated um, her birthday party with me, um, I made it the five days of Kamehameha, you know, she's turning five. And so every day I gave her a gift. And her gift that day, you know, I got out of the shower um, and I had her get behind my back and I, and I kneeled down to her and I said, baby girl, um, I didn't plan to have you, to have children. I said, it wasn't in my plan. And I said, but you were God's plan. And I'm so glad he gave me the opportunity to be your mom. And my precious Kamea cuffs my, my, uh, cheek with her little hand and she's caressing it with her thumb and she starts crying and I start crying. And we just have this spiritual moment uh, together of, of men, man of her being just God's plan, and and yeah, it's 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 amazing. She's amazing.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> She's so cute. I love yes. it. I just oh my goodness, I could just squeeze her right now. So, what do you think your life would be like if you did not receive the gift of motherhood?
1: Um, you know what? Honestly. it it would, it would just, I would still be promiscuous. I still deal with, so, so again, I I was sexually abused at three. And so, um, I just had this lifestyle of sex. Like it, it literally like in my twenties became a full-fledged sex addiction. Um, I'm now 31 and I'm still dealing with the consequences of that. And so pornography is still something that I struggle with. Um, but it would be so much worse. Like I would, like, um, my, one of my mentors would say, like, you are a good hoe for the, for the devil. And let me tell you, I would still be a good hoe. I would be so, I, I yeah. love sex. Let me just be real. Like, it's amazing. And so I would, I would be in somebody's bed every day. Twice seven to ten times a day. Like I'm not. I'm not even exaggerating. Um, I would find th- that every minute of the day I would be naked. Like I'm not. I'm not kidding. I would be underneath someone all the time. If if I did not um, have motherhood, if I did not have my child, um, that is that is like the the honest truth is. Um, I would not. I would not understand my purpose. I know that my purpose is not Kameya, but she had – she, i uh, you know, like, um, uh, I, I can't think of the scripture of, um, God will always provide a way out. Kameh was my way out of my temptation and my sick
0: in, in the bush. The
1: she was my, um, my out. She, so she was purposeful. So if it was not for motherhood, I, I would straight be a good hoe for the enemy. Nope. Mm. Mm.
0: So my saying is, you know, motherhood is a full-time job, but after um, they grow up, um, we're on call. So your life purpose, what is your your, um, your purpose in life? What, what are you going to be doing after you have, um, after your full-time job of being a mother is over?
1: So um, right now I'm also building a, um, a business. It is called Speak Out. Um, from the verse of Psalms 107, uh, let the redeemer of the Lord say so. Um, In uh, um, the New Living Translation, it says, um, if God has saved you, then speak out. And again, my promiscuity, my uh, battle with pornography, my sex addiction, um, many women are not speaking out and being real about it. So for me, it's it's speaking out and, and giving hope Um, and, and that knowing my, my voice was taken at three years old before I even could speak. He said, don't, don't tell anybody. This is our secret. And and it happened in my home, my childhood home. Um, and mom had a rule, you know, what happens in this house stays in the house. So I never talked about what I went through. And then when I was taken away at 15, you know, became a foster kid, um, I was labeled selective mute. I didn't, you know, from the age of three, I never talked about. What happened to me? I only spoke out in certain situations, in certain settings, and so my purpose is to give those who don't have a voice a voice. Specifically, those who have been sexually abused, is because they they silence us. Uh, but we're we're no longer silent, and and I'm I'm being authentically me. Like this, this is who God created me to be. Like I'm not, I mean, He created me to be a sexual being. You know, in in you know, Adam and Eve, He said, "Be fruitful and multiply." How can you be fruitful and multiply without sex, boo-boo? Like, it's it's a part of who we are, but it's not supposed to be abused. And I think we've, we've come to a point where, you know, the world says that if it feels good, then do it. And let me tell you, sex feels good. It's amazing. Which is why God only wanted it to be between uh, a husband and a wife in that in wife. In the covenant of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if we have so much soul ties... Man, I just broke off of so tight and it took me a year to break. Like, dude could not, I'm telling you, but it was good. The sex was good. Um, but it wasn't God. And so just speaking out about that and, and being real um, about the struggle, the struggle is real. And so that's my purpose. Um, my ultimate goal is to have a center for women They call it the victory center um, where, where they come um, those who have been sexually abused, I mean, if it's any abuse, that, that they were silent, in, whether it's domestic uh, violence, uh, whatever abuse that it may be emotionally, mentally, physically, uh, that there's a victory center, um, that they will have victory from that abuse um, and really take them through through my process that I call the five no's um, of, of victory and, and becoming victorious over that abuse. So having a center for women, um, for their kids, to help them through you know, life situations, because honestly, after my divorce, I didn't know how to be an adult. Um, you know, like I said, I had no principles of being a foster kid. Um, they kind of just threw me. My mom didn't teach me any life skills. And so I didn't know how to budget. Um, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know how to grocery shop. Like we just lived on food stamps um, and commodities back in the day. And so um, I did not know life skills and how to hold down an apartment, how to um, you know, be financially secure alone, um, that I don't need a man to provide for me. And so the Victory Center is going to teach just those basic um, life skills to, to help the woman um, stand strong on her own two feet and be, again, exactly who God created them to be.
0: Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. That sounds truly amazing. Whoa, girl. You are doing it. You are just getting it done. Yes, yes. Getting it done. Now you said that um, you are preparing yourself to be ordained.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Um, man, it has been a journey um, that so I go to the Potter's House of Denver um, and they have a two year ministry track and I have completed said track. Um, so um, I'm just basically you know waiting on the, the officiating of being ordained. Um, and, and I, it's, it's all thanks to God. I literally only took the class to add, um, the ministry benefit and, um, again, the word of God in, in an actual, you know, similar seminary setting. Uh, we have professors from the different seminary that are, are professors at the classes at the church. And so, um, I wanted some seminary background grounding again, cause mom's biblical training was very skewed. So get this um, this sound teaching of the word, um, so that when I when I help women in speaking out, that it's also with a biblical perspective, and that it's not just uh, my life experience, but it's both my life experience with God's words together to help bring women to their victory. Um, which was my intention again, my plan um, of getting into it, but it wasn't God's plan. God's plan was me to be um, ordained, and so um, I'm excited to be on the track, and you know, just waiting for. Um, it to be officiated at this point,
0: and then um, working on um, being healed and, and uh, delivered.
1: You know, healing is, is an ongoing journey. It's it, you know, like if you think of salvation, it's an event. It's not. It's not the. It's not the the overall goal. Uh, you know, it's 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 an event, but you every day live out the journey of salvation. And so, when it comes to being, um, you know, healed from promiscuity, being recovered from a sex addiction, uh, it's it's every moment, every every second of the day. Everything can there can be a commercial on TV that I get triggered by. There could be, you know, a guy that I have a crush on, and Lord Jesus, I love me a nice chocolate man. And when he walks past me, I you know I, it, it triggers me. Um, and so, it's every second that that healing. Um, and deliverance is, is there and that's why God sent us Jesus um, because of that, that grace that he has and the love of God is amazing uh, and the power of the Holy Spirit just to conquer those temptations you know and so um, just living in, in the Trinity God you know a lot of men believe in God but not, a, not many believe in the Trinity um, so, so just living day by day the journey of wholeness and so yeah, I'm I'm definitely in, in a healing. My healing will never be done. Victory is every day. Um yeah, it's the process. I
0: love that. I love that. Living out the journey of salvation. Oh my yes. goodness. Girl, that's gonna be my mantra this
1: right week. Now. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, Elizabeth. One more question. And yeah, this is hard, but what is the greatest gift you want to give mothers that are going through that have been through?
1: What? You've been through? Wow, the biggest gift that I can give mother. You know what I would say? Um prayer and fasting. You mm-hmm. got you got to have the relationship um you know, what is it? Vertical. You got to have that relationship with God. Because you, you can't do anything with, without it. You can't, be, you can't be a good parent. Because separating yourself from your child is hard. Um, there, if you nurse your child, there's a connection. Um, oxytocin that comes from a mother um, in, in nursing, and in breastfeeding, um, connects you to your child, an un, unbelievable bond. It's ironically the same oxytocin that comes in the release of an orgasm, which why so ties are so are so crucial is you have this tie, um, you know, scientifically, if you will. And so if you if you do not separate yourself and have that one on one relationship with God and. Um, you're gonna miss it. You you can't be the parent. You can't be the woman. You can't be the businesswoman. You can't. And it comes through prayer and fasting. Um, and I say that because fasting is not just man. I'm not gonna eat today. Um, or or for me it was like man. I'm not gonna have sex today. It, I'm not gonna watch pornography. It's more than that. It's saying God, I love you enough that I that my nourishment comes from you. That I my I'm sacrificing. What man may say feeds me, what man says feels good. And I'm coming to you and I'm saying that I want to feel good with you. You, you are when the two becomes one, you and Christ are one. And I think I said this to you earlier is that when we're in our singleness, we get confused because the church and society wants to say, Baby, we're well, we gonna get married, we're gonna have kids. You know, they're all in this relationship status, but we never focus on the relationship with our Heavenly Father. And and we we gotta have that relationship before we can be be anything else, we have to be with our creator. Um uh, we gotta we gotta get back to him because he is the author and finisher. Um and so we gotta be in constant prayer, which is just constant communication with him. And then letting him know, God, I'm gonna fast and I'm gonna show you that I'm willing just to get all my nourishment, all of my my basic foundation from you. So that that's the gift um that I would give is is no matter what level you are in this parenting thing, in your singleness, um in your wholeness in your you know in your brokenness even is that get to a place where you can pray and fast and it will change your life just making a habit of current fasting.
0: absolutely oh my goodness thank you thank you elizabeth you have just just laced us all up okay yes. y'all I, I need i need every woman that is listening to this podcast um this specific one to just just go back, rewind, jot some stuff down. Um, girl, you have blessed my entire life, entire life with with um, with with your wisdom. Um, I've been a mom for seventeen years, and I some of that stuff I didn't even get, um, probably because I was too selfish to to even um, look look for it or listen to it. So. Thank you so much. I'm glad I'm open now to receiving that, and that is just abundant. So I love you so much. Thank you for coming on to my show, and we will talk some
1: more. Yes, it was my
0: pleasure. You have a great one. You too. Bye. Thank you for tuning into our program. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and leave us a comment. I can't wait to see you all next week on Mom Unfiltered.